Hello and welcome to the Virtual Clinical Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Sunderland, and together, alongside my nursing students, I bring together my friends and colleagues in an effort to answer the questions, provide mentorship, and oftentimes help other professional nurses along the way. Hope you enjoy these episodes. So we're recording. Um, like I said, I don't really care about the video. I don't think that's going to really harp on people or hit the right tones with video because we look like the Brady Bunch right now. Um, but, but the vocals are definitely going to hit with everybody. You might hear my pup in the vocals. I apologize in advance. Here we are, we're humans. Um, <laughs> but without further ado, so um, Laura, I was giving an introduction to you and a lot of other people that have volunteered their time to be on this Zoom session that I'm excited about. Like I've been excited like for a whole week. And like there's 20 plus people that have signed up. And Laura, she was so excited to to share her pediatric journey. Um, Ashley is, I don't know where Ashley is. But I'm pointing to her like she's on my thing. Um, she is going into pediatrics at the Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh. And so I thought that's a great mentorship right there that you could probably develop afterwards if you're comfortable with that. But also she has to leave at 1030. Um, so she's going to ask questions and then I, you know, we'll, we'll answer them to you or ask them to you, excuse me. And then you can share whatever you want. Um, and then we're going to send the recording of this to people so that they can kind of review it and then kind of like go on their, their lives, I guess. I don't know how this works first time. So here we are. Sure. So, um, so hold on, let me, let me go to my little, little notes here. Okay. So. Laura, did you always start out in, in pediatrics? I did not. So okay. uh, first, um, I did work um, at Chester County Hospital, and it was a surgical floor for adults. So they would do, you know, um, elective orthopedic surgeries, uh, gynae surgeries. Um, we would see certain, you know, mastectomies, different things like that. But it was mostly all adults. Mm-hmm. And then what made you really switch from, you know, adults and mastectomies and crazy things like that to adorable children and pediatrics. Right. So I feel like that was my enter into healthcare. And then um, that was about an hour commute. So then I was looking for something after I had my son a little closer. And one of CHOP's primary care practices was hiring. Um, And at that time, I was a medical assistant, but I was like, this would be great experience, a great way to get my foot in the door with peds. And obviously, CHOP's a good organization, affords a lot of opportunities to you. Um, so I thought, let me go there. I've always wanted to do peds and it would be a great way to get in the door there. That's awesome. Um, what was one of your biggest challenges after graduating from your nursing program that you thought, man, I thought I would never go through this, but here we are. Right. So you girls are all in a much better spot. You know, you must in this nursing, uh, world now have your four year nursing degree, Um, I have my two year (laughs) and I'm working on the BSN. So you guys are already ahead of the game because a lot of times um, for in-hospital jobs, they really um, anymore are not even looking at you if you have a two year. It's unfortunate. You could have like, you know, a couple years experience, but you really have to have that BSN. So you guys are already ahead of the game and on track for that. That's interesting um, because so in Pittsburgh, I used to work at UPMC Mercy Mm-hmm. And there are so many diploma programs out there and they're fabulous programs. Like they make yeah. like amazing nurses that were mm-hmm. just so smart to me. And so I never really understood why the 
Virgil, why we why we decided to make diploma associates baccalaureate programs like mm-hmm. separate entities and you know why things like that because it's so clinical based as a diploma or an associate's nurse yes it's more theory based when you start to the baccalaureate world that's correct and so it's really interesting to, to kind of see that um in other hospitals and I don't know how, how the current environment is in Pittsburgh with mm-hmm. the, the diploma programs but um but you're right. You, you certainly do have an advantage of that. Even at Hershey, um, we have, I think, a six-month thing where you have to uh, like sign up to get your baccalaureate degree. Yeah, it's That's great. Awesome. As long as you know you need that if you went through a two-year, but you guys, again, are already, <laughs> you have an yeah. advantage there. So it's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so in terms of your seven and a half years at top, Mm-hmm. What were some of the most interesting things, the most hard things that you had to deal with as a pediatric nurse? Right. It is super rewarding. Um, definitely, you're always dealing, um, obviously, with the family as well. So you have your patient, but then the parent, you know, is kind of um, always speaking up and that kind of thing. So that can be challenging at times. Um, CHOP always um, had a model, you know, one of their missions was family-centered care. Um, because obviously you're really including the parent and the family in the care of that child um, because they're going to be the ones that are going to care for the child when they bring them home. So that's super important. Um, It also depends on what the parent wants for the child. They might not want some of the care done um, and things like that. So you're always kind of going off of them. So that can be challenging. Um, And even though it was primary care, um, you know, some people are like, oh, you're not going to see much. It's not going to be too exciting. Um, We did see quite a a number of things. We would often have parents that didn't realize their child was in respiratory distress or, you know, some complication going on and they would bring them in um, in that, you know, uh, state. And you're realizing as they're walking through the door and you're like, oh, no. Um, So then... um, I one day had a five-week-old, a mom brought in, in a car seat. Um, She kind of, you know, the little stroller with the car seat base clipped into it. She's wheeling him into the room and she's like, he got kind of quiet on the way over, five-week-old boy um, uh, with a cough. So I'm like, okay. She spins him around. He's gray in the car seat. And I'm like, so I like flipped him out, you know, like, and just immediately started calling for everybody and you get everything moving. So what happened was um, he had hib. So it's hemophilus influenza. We vaccinate for that at two months, but he was only five weeks. So probably an older sibling and RSV as well. So he ended up vented at CHOP for two weeks, um, but made a a, a striking recovery. And it was just one of those things, like I think like right time, right place. Cause I'm like, oh my gosh, what if you waited in the waiting room too long and all this stuff. But, you know, it was just like one of those like divine intervention. Um, <laughs> but, he, you know, so we would have these uh, events where we were, you know, 911ing the children out um, and things like that. So you did see quite a bit even in primary care um, in such a diverse um, setting, like your diabetics, um, some immunocompromised kids. Um, you know, you had um, kids that were following with a lot of specialists and then bringing the care all back to us. Um, so it, it is such a wide area. Um, also with CHOP, I feel like because they are such a big organization, I was awarded a lot of um, opportunities. Like when I worked with them, um, they offer the CPN um, courses. So that's the certified pediatric nurse. Like Nicole has critical care certs and things like that. You can also become certified as like a NICU nurse, pediatric nurse. 
um, CHOP offered like the free courses you could go and take. And then as long as you pass the CPM, they would reimburse you. So that test was about $300. Um, so, you know, if you work for an organization that offers these things, I would encourage you to, um, you know, soak it all up, <laughs> take it, take it in, take whatever they're offering for free, because it'll be great for you and your resume. That's awesome. I I'm happy that you talked about certification. I do talk a lot about certification with these guys. Um, and even in like prior clinical experiences too, because it's not really like all that open in terms of like celebrating certification. I feel like it's like if the unit does celebration, that's one thing, but it's not like the whole hospital has a big kind of like celebratory thing with exception to like certified nurses week and things like that. And there's so many different specialties especially in like peds world, right? Like you were mentioning like the CPN, which I didn't even realize that was a thing. Like I know right. NICU certification, yeah, but I didn't know pediatric nursing. And I know that there's probably uh, uh, the cancer certification for peds. Yes, there are, there are many subspecialties. Like yeah. if you're in different areas, you can really get um, specific on your certs, like, you know, to an adult medicine, um, mm -hmm. this one was probably the most generic just because we worked in primary care and that was marketed to us. Um, and we qualified for that. Um, but it was awesome. Now, when I interviewed for the school nurse position I'm in now for Ridley, there were five other nurses that were interviewed. Um, and you know, I am a newer nurse having only graduated in 2017. Um, but I do think like the CHOP experience and also the CPN had me kind of stand out among other candidates. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and I just lost my train of thought that I was going to ask you. Oh, yeah. General care. I think we would both say it's probably one of the most difficult things mm -hmm. to be a part of as nursing because you're seeing, just like you described, you're seeing everything. This, this little infant came in with HIV. HIV. I'm saying that wrong. <laughs> it's HIV. HIV. It's what? HIV. Oh, okay. That's yeah. not HIV. That's funny. No, it is funny. There's too many disease names. Like HIV, man, that sounds like a thing that I yeah. know of. It's an adult world thing. Maybe it's a children's thing. I don't know. Saying it all wrong. Here we are. There are too many diseases, right? There's so many diseases and acronyms. You'll get to know them all once you pass your boards. It's like, how do I memorize all the acronyms? Mm -hmm. so kind of go with it every day. Um, but that's that's pretty challenging, I think. And even in like an office setting, when mm -hmm. somebody can just roll in at during clinic hours did you guys have hours like that yeah, appointment hours right so it could yeah. throw up i think you broke up a, a little bit can you just repeat what you said i'm sorry sure um it could throw a whole schedule you know if something like that came in you know if you have a full schedule of appointments and then you have an emergency you know then that could throw the whole day off and then um my dog is being super neat today. I apologize. Oh, okay. So, so did you, and I, it might've been in your bio, so I apologize. Did you <laughs> do um, any kind of inpatient nursing care for pain? I did not. Mm -mm. Okay. No. So quick question then. I, and I imagine that you transfer patients all the time to the hospital mm -hmm. um, or most times anyway. Was yeah. there a different dynamic of reporting style that you noticed or like have had issues with or something like that? in terms of plan of care for when, when you were going to report to the hospital for this person, patient to, to come over? 
Right. So a lot of times when you were calling down to CHOP CR to report that the child was coming, if it was CHOP or DuPont, um, it was just like um, a secretary. The ERs are so busy, those PEDS ERs. Um, so they just have like a nurse call line um, for incoming patients, just like a heads up. I guess they want to know like some critical ones, you know, so they can give the nurses a heads up. Um, but it was just like... Um, like a patient care rep or a secretary answering the phone. So you weren't really getting to speak to a nurse about the child. Okay. That, yeah. that makes it a little bit more um, different than what I had imagined. I, I know nothing about this. Yeah. Questions. No, sure. That these guys also learn too, because we don't often see office stuff. Right. Um, in terms of a generalized care. So it's a very unique perspective. Because they, they do float to our, our peace hospital. Some of them do do clinicals over there. And then we have capstone students that do pediatric rotations. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets excited about peace, I think, because of THON, which is a great thing. Don't get me wrong. Yes. It's so interesting to hear from other hospitals and other kind of unique perspectives that can offer this sort of like what you actually see in, in, in real world as opposed to, hi, this is your capstone experience. Welcome to it. It's great. It's a great day to be here, you know? Yes. Um, so then what made you decide after, after so, so long to be a school nurse um, and then kind of make that transition? And was that a hard transition for you to make? Um, so I did take about a year off um, from uh, the clinic. So um, from the primary care office, um, even though it was... Um, primary care, you do get a little bit burned out, you know, in all aspects of nursing. Um, So this was, you know, I was the nurse manager at the end there. We were really short staffed (laughs) and, um, you know, just things weren't managed super great. So I, um, you know, just made the decision like, all right, a different setting would be good at this time. Um, So I went ahead and um, became a sub nurse for Ridley. Um, so a lot of times like school nurse positions are like getting a Willy Wonka ticket, you know, <laughs> like I joked with everybody. Um, nobody leaves, you know, all the ladies are there for like a hundred years. Um, so I subbed throughout the district for about a year, went from like pre-K to high school. They would just call you if they needed you at the elementary level, middle school, high school. And that was different because, you know, I'm used to our little littles love like the elementary level. You go to middle school, they're like super whiny, making everything up. You go to high school, they're like, you're like, oh gosh, (laughs) here's your Advil, like go. (laughs) So now some of them like in high school you are like dealing with like a drug avail I'm like ah like I've never done this like I'm used to our littles like what are we doing um yeah I'm like oh gosh uh so but like I got a position um it opened up um after about a year of full-time spot and it was at our one of one of our elementary schools and that is really like my niche there with the little ones and they're they're so funny they're so cute and you can kind of tell when they come in like if it's a stomach ache you're like all right let's evaluate see how the kid acts too like you can see if they're really crying okay something's up or if you're like all right let's lay down for like five minutes and then see you check all their you know their stuff if everything looks good and you're like let's head back they're like they're fine, you know? <laughs> yeah, I feel like little kids, like, can't lie. Yeah, and I totally. Say that, like, like, they can lie, but their facial expressions mm-hmm. and, like, their other expressions just don't fit the picture, whereas, like, teenagers, you know, and, and like, young adults and things like that, they can hide so many things so yes. easily. hmm That's crazy. But there is, like, a lot more um, self-decision-making in yes. that 
um, cause I'm by myself there. So, you know, it kind of falls all on me. Um, so like one day I thought a kid, they called me out to the playground, thought a child might've had a seizure. Um, but he was more like a special needs kiddo. So he was more having like an anxiety episode. So I just like checked pulse ox and things. And as we know, with like a seizure, like we, he probably would have had like a drop in a pulse ox, you know, different things we would have seen clinically. I wasn't seeing any of that. Um, and he was responsive and all kinds of things like that. So I determined it was more like an anxiety episode. We let him relax and stuff like that. But, you know, so sometimes it is just you there and you're like, well, it's just me. You can call over to the other school nurses at the other um, buildings and they're super helpful um, at all your other elementary schools. So you do have those resources, but sometimes just you being there by yourself, certainly the teachers will hop in um, as a hand, but you might be the only medical professional. That's really unique because um, I never knew that about school nursing, like how how like all the schools work together. I always yeah. thought like I would just call 911, <laughs> goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> go to the hospital, goodbye. You know, if I was ever a school nurse. You um, can certainly, um, you know, but like I feel like if I had to maybe like do CPR, like the one, you know, teacher across my way, she's like a fifth grade teacher. Like, you know, you come up with like plans, you know? Yeah. In your yeah. head. You're like, where is this? Where is that? So how, how, so school nursing so I imagine you still have to make care plans happen yeah how does that happen so we do have um like then there are certified school nurses and RNs there are certain districts that only allow certified school nurses and as an RN I'm thankful my district allows um you know RNs as well and then what happens is one day a week a CSN comes to my school and I go to another school and then that kind of satisfies like our state requirements um, so she kind of like oversees me, so to speak, and we like chat back and forth and stuff like that. So that's how it works for the district to have RNs as well as uh, CSNs. But that is actually, I, I didn't even realize until recently, it's a, um, a post-baccalaureate certificate that's actually awarded by the Department of Education. It has nothing to do with like nursing. That's interesting. Isn't it? So how does that work then with your RN license? I I we're saying of, because of like the 504s and the IEPs that the okay. nurses are kind of like overseeing with, you know, like maybe an ADD medicine, um, a type one diabetic. Um, it falls more under like the Pennsylvania state education. Um, oh, okay. So it just, you know, as nurses, we're like, wait, we totally thought that would come from like a nursing licensure. So it was really, you know, puzzling to me to hear that. Sorry, my facial expressions are my, my dog is here trying to put <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, that's really unique. I think that like, you know, a lot of people, so I have, I have another classmate up in like New York by, I want to say Buffalo. I'm probably wrong on that. Somewhere up in the, the far North of New York. Mm -hmm. And she's a school nurse and I don't know, um, you know, how, how they do their job. I, I didn't know if, you know, they um, developed care plans for individual kids, how the legal requirements went about that. Like if you just joined, you know, a school and it's all of a sudden like you're stuck with 300 care plans for all your students, because that could be kind of, I think, daunting to think about as a new school nurse or yeah. how that even like went about. So that's really interesting to hear because, you know, like we, we come up with care plans on two patients, one right. patient, three patients, not 300. <laughs> Um, so, so does that care plan then, um, like exist for the entire year though? Like, is that like a, 
So like, for example, I have a second grader and she's a type one diabetic. So, um, the, uh, doctor, the endocrinologist at CHOP, for example, is writing out the care, like the diabetes, it's like DDMP management plan. And then we're following it. So it's like basically, um, in diabetes, because that's like a self-managed disease, um, the parent can make the like vetoing decisions over that. So like, I may call mom and she's like, I don't want five units given that's a little high. It'll bottom her out. She goes low, you know, quite frequently. Um, couldn't you just do four units? Mom has the power to, um, say that. So, we follow that plan. Um, it's implemented by the doctor. And then, you know, there would be a meeting with um, like probably the principal, social worker, teacher and nurse um, at the beginning of the year just to make sure things are met. And then like a 504 would be introduced like, oh, um, this particular student could use the bathroom at any time. This particular student could have a snack, you know, because she needs it. Um, she can carry all of her diabetic supplies, um, different things like that. And then the school legally does have to follow that. But you're right. Um, we have no way of, um, you know, filtering out, you know, how many um, medically complex children we get or things like that. So you could have a high caseload of, you know, medically complex children. And I'm sorry, what's a 504? Um, so that's kind of like where at school, um, my son, he has ADHD and it's just like, we will redirect Nate to pay attention. We will... <laughs> <laughs> uh, have a color code. So yeah, it's a little silly, but it's just kind of like, you know, it's not an actual IEP, but it's like maybe steps before an IEP, like, um, you know, some reinforcement and just like basically acknowledging that they do have this uh, disease process or that kind of thing. That's awesome. Um, yeah. you, you mentioned that you were a nurse manager for, mm -hmm. for a little period, I think a year, right? Mm -hmm. What made you decide to do that? Because that to me sounds like, I don't know that I ever want to do that, but people might want to do nurse management roles in their life. Um, so what made you want to try to do nurse manager role? And then what was like the, you know what, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to switch over to something else. Sure. It was kind of tough because you're managing everybody in personalities. So I went seven years working with a lot of these people. Now we did have a turnover, but you figure it's a lot of my friends. And then all of a sudden I had to be their boss. So that can be tough because then there's personalities and things like that. So not everybody likes that, you know, <laughs> and you're like, come on, we just have to get things done. Like I'm not trying to, you know, be, you know, over top of anybody else. We're all right. equals. Let's just do it. You know, things like that. That's very much my approach and my motto. Um, at the same time with the nurse manager, um, I don't think there was anybody else there to do it. Um, like I had the knowledge for working there so long of how the practice worked. Um, you know, like a clock, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. So I figured if I, if somebody else took it, I would be teaching them how to do it anyway. So I kind of was like, it's probably in my best interest to just do it for a little bit, put it on my resume type of thing, you know, and it was a good resume builder um, and that kind of thing. But um, it just, it got to be too much. They really should have had like a nurse manager, like two nurse managers there. They saw about 32,000 patients a year for that practice. That yeah, there was like 10 doctors, mm -hmm, like ten, wow. eight or 10 front desk staff. I had what, like eight medical assistants and 12 nurses that I managed there at one primary care office. It was huge. That's a lot of personality. 
Yeah. And a lot of varying degrees, uh, I'm sure. And yeah. uh, just a lot of different things. Wow, that's huge. That's like almost like we have a fish burn clinic mm-hmm. out here that is, I, I don't even know how big it is. I'm not going to guess, but it's, it's big. It's one of our bigger clinics. Sure. But yeah, you're right. I, I don't know why they didn't even at least have an assistant manager role. Right. I think or there like, should have been two like people. Like a PM manager, like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like something like that to give you a break. So yeah, that's, that's crazy. Um, does anybody have any questions to ask Laura? What all, as a nurse manager, like what does that entail? Like what are your main duties doing that? Sure. So again, it depends. Um, Like in primary care, for example, I would do like the scheduling for our nurses. Um, I would do, you know, the management of if there were any issues, you know, going on, if a a parent was unhappy, I would go out and, you know, try to uh, diffuse that situation and um, get a resolution as best I could. I also, um, as a primary care practice, we had, we vaccinated children all day long. So there was a refrigerator of about a refrigerator with like $30,000 of vaccines at all times. So you're ordering for that, um, stocking and managing, entering all the lot numbers. Um, there was a lot that went into it. I also would go down to chop monthly for like nurse manager meetings. And they're telling you like all of the stuff that's coming from higher up. You're then like referring that back to your nurse employees. Um, you know, that these will be new things coming down the line. If you were doing it, um, you know, just having worked in inpatient too, and Nicole could tell you it's the same thing, kind of like budget for your floor, you would probably be involved with like the ordering of supplies or, um, you know, some kind of management of that, um, probably scheduling somehow, um, unless there's a scheduler for your floor. Sometimes there's like a nurse or two that does the scheduling if um, the manager is not involved in that. Um, so usually that, and then a lot of times just like diffusing the big situations, you know, you might be pulled in with like another manager to reprimand an employee. That was tough. You know, if somebody's like late repeatedly or there's poor performance, you know, um, I'm, I think like I'm a really nice person. So I'd be kind of sitting there like, you know, this while like <laughs> the office manager's like reprimanding the person. So like it, it was a new role, you know, and you kind of, you know, had to do it. But I mean, you know, at the same time, like this person does know they probably did do something, you know, or at the same time, if they did something and they're a nice person, you're like, okay, like we just need to correct this and we'll move forward, you know? So it wasn't always terrible, but it it can be tough. Um, You just need to take breaks for yourself, like in all nursing, you know, self-care, downtime, um, you know, leaving work at work if you can, go home, you know, exercise, spend time with family, things like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's something I would never be able to do is, is tell people like, you've done something wrong. And so now you've got to fix it. That would be my, I know I was always like, eh. it's so uncomfortable. <laughs> it's so uncomfortable when they're like, yeah, Nicole, you just need to have like a peer to peer conversation with them. And I'm like, no, no, I don't. I'm not going to, <laughs> but right. I, I do because, you know, it's the right thing to do, even though it's really uncomfortable to do so. Mm-hmm. Kind of does, if, if, they, if the person that you're talking to is respectful towards what you're saying to them, then you will have a better chance of building that relationship as opposed to maybe the fear factor of something that you're going to say to them. And they're kind of like, I don't like what you're telling me. I'm going to, you know, base my reaction on fear. And then like, like kind of like yell you know? Um, and I think that's where it can get super tough as well as 
somebody in management. I've never been in management. I, don't, I have a degree for like, health systems leadership, but I don't mm-hmm. intend on ever going to management because that just doesn't appeal to me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I would do it again. <laughs> right. I think there's such special people that do management mm-hmm. that I don't know how they do it. And I praise them all the time because they are so like staff nurses, um, at least in, our, in the hospital, I think mm-hmm. do a better job at self-care than managers. Mm-hmm. And I've seen many different types of managers go through, you know, the stress of it all and, you know, not take care of themselves and like things happen to them. Like they gain weight. They just kind of have these headaches all the time or like they get tired or things like that. And it's just like managers don't have the resources available to them. I think it's not geared towards them. I should say it's everything's geared towards the staffers. Everything's geared towards moral distress. Everything's geared towards you know, how to take care of yourself, you know, shift working, all that stuff. The management though, mm-hmm. because oftentimes they work 40 hours, but the 40 hours turns into 80 because you're, you have to get caught up on all the, all of your work that there's not an opportunity to really practice that self-care. So, um, yeah, I've, I've told, I've told the, these students a lot, um, and students I've had in the past that self-care is the number one most important thing you're going to do for yourself once you step into real world nursing, because I don't know if, if, if you felt like this when you um, kind of like had that bridge from um, becoming a nurse, but that stress level and the learning curve just felt like this. Mm-hmm. So now you have this greater responsibility of taking care of someone and realizing that things you do matter a lot and can ultimately cause demise in someone. And that's where I think that not, not, not everybody can understand that, but you'll certainly understand it in different ways, depending on how well your self-care is and how well you can just decompress things and let them go because you are one person in a 24-hour system and you can't fix everything. Um, so I think that was a huge learning curve for me when I first started. I don't know if you have a, a similar instance or story to share, but that's kind of like what I went through. Oh yeah, absolutely. Especially being like, an, I was a nursing assistant, unit secretary in tech for a year, like a couple years, then a medical assistant. So I always was like, let me go get the nurse, you know, <laughs> for years. And then I was like, oh wait, that's me. <laughs> You're like, oh no. Um, but you know, in peds too, like these are people's children, you know, they're going to come in screaming, you know, about this. And the lady with the kid with the in the car seat that was gray, she's like, you're scaring me. Is he okay? When I have the full socks on and it's reading zero and a thready pulse rate of 48, like a baby should have over a hundred. So he, he needed CPR at that point, you know, zero pulse socks and a 48 thready pulse, a heart rate. That's no, no dice. So, um, you know, she's like, you're scaring me. I think she was in shock. Like, I don't think she realized. So, you know, it's, these are children's lives, you know? So, like I tell my mom and stuff, like I, I take it with the utmost, you know, uh, care and stuff because it, it, it is people's children and things like that, you know? So, and I always are on the side of caution and things like that. I had a kiddo, um, last year when I was subbing, he kind of fell one of those gaga ball pits. It's like a raised wooden thing. They throw like a dodgeball. It's like a wooden frame you kind of walk into. He fell, there was like this really big bruise on his abdomen he was crying, abdominal pain, just wasn't good. I was like, you can go home and call the doctor. Like, you know, just err on the side of caution. You know, you're never going to be uh, wrong that way. Um, you know, cover yourself. Yeah, that's funny because um, my neighbors, you know, so I'm a nurse on this 
on my block where I live. Mm-hmm. And, um, there was a party and there was a trampoline. Mm-hmm. And it's me and my friend Kevin. We're both nurses. And like all of a sudden you get thrown into this hole and you check him out, you know, because they fell on the trampoline and now they're hurting in, in a, in, your arm hurts, you know. Mm-hmm send them to the ED. Just say, you know what? I think you should just go to the ED, yeah. get them checked out because you can't tell them that you're not, like, I, I should rephrase. You can tell them that you're not a pediatric nurse. It's very hard to say, I can't deal with this right now because I'm not in my clinical setting, right? That's something that mm-hmm. people won't, won't understand mm-hmm. outside of healthcare. Mm-hmm. But what you can do is kind of suggest, you know, I don't feel comfortable about the situation, perhaps, you should call your doctor or just go to the ED to get checked out real quick or just go to like a, um, an urgent care to go get a quick right. mm-hmm. So that's really important to, to note because I've had that happen to me, even like, you know, outside the hospital. Like I'm not a nurse. I don't ever want to be a pediatric nurse. I love you guys that are pediatric nurses. That's why we have them. So I don't have to be one. But yeah, and um, it's okay to say that. Like I say that often. I don't do ICU nursing. I'm not sure. <laughs> Let me ask my other friend. Know, or, no, go call somebody who does know. Like I do kids. I'm not sure. <laughs> you know, we'll both defer to each other, you know. Yeah. Um, would you ever move to to take a new job? Um, certainly like if an opportunity came up, I do love the school nursing. Like I said, I have a son now, so, you know, it's all, what's good for you and your family as young newbies get in there, get that hospital experience. You know, I feel like everybody definitely needs that. Um, you know, even though I was only a tech and unit secretary in the hospital, I saw tons of things, you know, that I feel like made me ready, you know? Um, but you know, hospital experience definitely is super valuable. You can't pass that up. Um, but then, you know, there are other options like school nursing. When you move on, everybody's like, Laura, that's a scammer job, school nursing. <laughs> I'm like, yes, it is. Um, you know, sometimes you'll sit there for like two hours. You're like, do, do, do. And then you have like 20 kids coming at lunch, you know. So it's just all give or take. But I go in at eight and I'm done at 3.30, you know, and I go get my kids. So it's Monday to Friday, no weekends. So, you know, once you're done with that crazy hospital schedule and you have kids or something, you can look at these other fields like, you know, social work or school nursing or this or that. And it's nursing is super versatile that way. So it's awesome. That is awesome. Um, Would you ever do travel nursing? If I didn't have a kid, when this all came up, obviously with COVID-19, sitting at home right now because school's closed, I'm not going to be back till August. You wish you could do more, you know, and I would like to hop out there and go do something. But um, with my son, you know, his dad's an essential worker as a fireman, too. um, So it just makes it a little tough. Um, But yeah, travel nursing, I would have loved to have done it if I didn't have a kiddo. So I would definitely... Uh, look into that if I were you guys there's some awesome incentives that I say I often tell them to, to just be careful of yes they accept um and how they accept it so there's mm-hmm. been a little bit of issues with say like the contract you sign is not necessarily like true and valid and so there's lawsuits right now yes I but saw a that. lot of a lot of opportunities out there that right. can expose you to different um make sure it's like a a company that a friend's gone through and it's legit and things like that. Yeah, definitely. Always, always suggest companies that people have gone through mm-hmm. have testimonies towards and they're not being paid for their testimony. Mm-hmm. They're just offering you genuine, like this is a company I work for. It's a great company to work for, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Certainly. Um, yeah. Anybody have any other questions 
for Laura that they want to they want to ask about anything. I have like a general question um, about getting a certification. How long do people usually wait to get certified? Yes. In like peds or critical care or whatever. Yeah, definitely. So there was a minimum criteria. So I believe you wanted to be like a full-time nurse for about a year because it was about 1,200 hours, I believe. Um, Don't quote me, but I think it was about 1,200 hours and you had to be a nurse for like about a year and then they would let you sit for that um, exam. And they kind of verified that, like you entered your nurse license number and I guess there was some verification. So this was the um, like whatever certifying board you're doing, they'll, they'll check into it. But, um, so it wasn't long at all though. Um, you know, with only a year and CHOP was offering it, I was like, oh, I'm going to do it, you know? So it's up to you when you feel ready. Like I'd been in that field for some time, you know? Um, but the opportunity was there, but so usually it's about a year and about 1200 hours. So it's kind of like a full-time job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, Caitlin had a question. Sorry. Sure. Oh, I was just going to ask, as a school nurse, do you ever do, um, like, teaching sessions with the ner- the teachers about, like, maybe, like, EpiPens or, like, if a kid has a seizure or, like, signs and symptoms of hypoglycemia or anything like that? Sure, that's a great point. Um, a lot of my teachers are actually, like, my first-line clue that something's going on. They'll often bring a kid in and say, he feels warm or she doesn't look right. She's had her head down all day. So they're great indicators. They're, they're your... Um, you know, a lot of them are moms themselves and know when a kiddo doesn't look right. So they're awesome. And I always refer to them, even, you know, they're, they're not a nurse. They're an awesome resource for you. Um, I don't and haven't t- taught yet. I did just get the job two weeks before it shut down as the full time. So it was like hysterical too. like, Laura, not only do you have the best job ever, you got it two weeks before the shutdown and now you're getting paid at home. I'm like, I know. Um, so, uh, that would be great though. Like something to do. Um, sometimes too, like they will ask us, like maybe if a child has like poor hygiene, like Laura, can you slide into a class and just give like a little low key, like let's brush our teeth. Let's get a shower every day. Like stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, sure. Like we've done that kind of stuff before. Um, but not so much for the teachers, I guess, cause they, they think that's my job. <laughs> um, but it, it would be good. And the one teacher that does have my, my, um, really all over the place diabetic, um, she has a Dexcom, which is super cool. So all the technology that's coming out, she has the Dexcom continuous monitoring, um, glucose that's in the interstitial fluid. So it's like not in a vein, it's in your interstitial fluid. So like in your fatty area and like the back of your arm or your stomach. She also has an Omnipod pump. So I watch her all day on an iPad in my office because she will be like 131 second and like 66 the next. So you're like, so-and-so, come on down. Like I call the classroom and the teacher's like, she's on her way already because there's like a bell that goes off in the classroom. So like that is pretty cool for like... um you know, a diabetic that's not super stable. So the technology that's coming out too is like, it's, you know, super valuable and helpful. That's really awesome. I had no clue that such technology existed. Yeah, right. Um, Cause we have to go through like, you know, mm-hmm. so many hoops to get something in a hospital. Does sure. your uh, school district partner with a healthcare system like, like Mainline Health or some, something like that or Jefferson? Not that I'm aware of, but they could. I know, um, so we're pretty lucky, the director of our program, and I don't know if this goes for every school nurse program, but she's a nurse practitioner. 
So she, like our boss, she actually can do like some physicals if the kids haven't shown up for their like physical they need for the like certain school years. Um, and she partners with the doctor. I'm not sure which, you know, health organization, but writes like our policies and procedures, like standing orders. This kid can have a Tylenol. This kid can have this and don't give this, you know, that kind of thing. So I give some standing orders and I follow all day. That's super great to hear because I think a lot of times we hear that nurse practitioners can't do as much as what we think they can do. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of barriers to that for sure. And a lot of legislation that's going through, I think currently, I could be wrong now, um, to try to get nurse practitioners as independent practitioners. And so it's really heartening to hear that at least they can do something for schools and be be that leader of of that. Because I'm not sure if anyone here wants to be a nurse practitioner, but I do know of other students that have thought about that and have, you know, kind of said, you know, I think I want to do this. I'm not really sure yet. And I always say like, you know, give yourself five years of figuring out what you want to do with your life and see, and see what the roles are and see what's going on, because that will tell you how you feel inside about that particular role. And I think having people like you thought, like talking about this stuff is super important because I never knew nurse practitioners did that for school districts. So I think that's a great use of resource. Yeah, not only keeps kids safe, but helps the teachers, helps the school nurses, you know, that whole like ecosystem of care is like, boom, right there. Mm-hmm. Anyone else with questions? Nicole, you're certainly welcome to take my email. If anybody has any questions, peds wise or otherwise, they're welcome to email. Okay, perfect. If anybody has any questions, I think we're going to, I think we're good. All right. Anybody like hands raised questions? No. <laughs> okay. But, Laura, thank you so much. Yeah. I enjoyed this a lot. Um, hearing about what you do as a school nurse and pediatric nurse and the whole journey with, you know, being a CNA and then straight up to an RN and now getting your bachelor's and doing all this crazy stuff more than I ever ha- have done. My goodness. Um, and not only that, but having a family at the same time. I think that's like really awesome that you do that stuff. So I will get Laura's email um, and share it with the group. And then I'll try to separate the vocals from this video and then email out to everybody. Laura, do you have any questions for anybody else? No, good luck, everyone. You're an awesome group. Uh, Best of luck, okay? (laughs) It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Laura. All right, bye-bye, guys. Bye. So was was that good, guys? Do you like that style? Awesome. Because I have like a bunch more to do. Well, let me stop recording this stuff. Stop.